Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to the Jack and Joe Show. We talk about property, business, and everything in between. Hosted by Jack Heskin Taylor and Joe McCarthy. Sharing the stories of entrepreneurs, property investors, and our journey to health, wealth, and happiness. Welcome to another episode of the Jack and Joe Show with me, Jack Heskin Taylor. Me, Joe McCarthy. And here today we are with Rebecca Myers. Hi, Rebecca. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Great. Yeah, good. Thank you. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on the show. No problem. So yeah, basically this episode is going to be all around financing and projects and, and developments. Uh, it'd be really good to, to speak to Rebecca and get a bit of an insight into her knowledge as well. So could we just go into a bit around your background and how you got started? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I actually didn't attend university. I worked my way up in the um, sort of retail industry, I guess, uh, working in the famous Cheshire Oaks down the road. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think that's where most people start in life here. Um, and then I was working late, sort of 10 o'clock around Christmas time one, one year, and I thought I really need to go and get some further education other than my A-levels. Um, and, you know, previously I had had the opportunity to go to Manchester Met to study fashion buying and merchandising. So I guess that's why I ended up in retail. Um, but I ended up going uh, to Unilever as a higher apprentice in project management. Okay. So I did a two year course of them, qualified as a project manager through them. And once I'd qualified, that's when I sort of fell into the finance sector. So I saw um, a business development manager role in a company in Chester. And I ended up working for them actually as a loans manager slash underwriter. So I was with them for about a year and a half, two years as well. So I think um, within that time, you know, I when I first started, I didn't really know anything too much other than how to get a mortgage. Yeah. You know, I just started looking at, at purchasing a house when I worked um, at Unilever. So this is currently the house that we are sat in now whilst <laughs> recording this. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I've started in property young, um, but this is my only house that I have. I don't have yeah. a portfolio, you know. Um, I should probably listen to your podcast more <laughs> if I want to get a portfolio. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, so uh, I, I've sort of... I guess work my way through through jobs to get to where I am today, and and mm. currently working for Bridging Finance Solutions on on the Wirral um, as a, an internal business development manager, and um, you know understanding clients' needs and having my background in underwriting from a previous company. You know I've probably got a slight advantage on your typical 
sales guy yeah. um, because I've had that exposure to the risk elements within finance, you know, loan to values, etc. on properties. So um, that's sort of a very brief overview of how I've sort of landed on my feet today where I am. Yeah. Um, but it's a very interesting industry and for someone who isn't what I would consider very mathematical, it's actually quite easy once you understand the process and profit margins yeah. um, and risks involved in it. So, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sounds brilliant, yeah. Very good. Um, just backtracking a bit there with regards to the underwriting, could you yeah. run us through a bit of the things that you'd look at when underwriting an application? Gosh, yeah, so if we received an application form in, in my previous job, um, when I worked for another finance company, they weren't regulated, so the checks weren't as... Um, I guess details of the ones that I'm in now because we, we are regulated where, we, where I work at Bridging Finance. Um, so when I used to look at it, it was just a quick sort of look on right move, Zoopla, look at the local um, area, see what the houses are like in that area. Yeah. Never ever ever go off um, Zoopla postcode check because it'll say that it thinks the house is worth 300 grand. Well, that's the average of that street or that area you know at yeah. one end of the road you could have a five bed detached house and then the rest of the houses on that road are all terraced 100 grand houses but because you've got that larger sum of money at the end <laughs> yeah, of the road yeah, it, you know, it brings the postcode prices up so yeah. i wouldn't maybe suggest using that but <laughs> right move if you go on right, right move there's a really interesting um option where you can look at recently sold house prices and then if you look within say the past year to two years because we've had i guess a strong stronger market recently mm. um especially in sort of the northwest area and northeast then you can check um you know for example if you say well, i want to look at x road between years of 2017 up to 2020 um then you know you might be able to to have a, a more sort of advantageous look at it by doing that, you can also understand whether you're paying too much or if you're paying too little for a property, why are you paying too little? Yeah. Um, other things that we do if you're buying within a company, um, we'd look at, for example, um, your company records. If it's a new SPV that's being set up, obviously you're not going to have the previous financial year. So that's when we'd probably look more into the um, individual themselves, sort yeah. of their income and expenditure, things like that. Um, how much experience do they have? I mean, it's not necessarily... You know the be all and end all someone has to start somewhere you know yeah. a property portfolio um so they're probably some very you know basic basic checks and then where i'm currently working now for example they do um, a lot of receiving bank statements in um double checking all of those um you know underwriting process can be fairly quick or it can take a long time it just really depends on the situation so yeah. for example if someone's had maybe ccjs in the past or insolvencies or bankruptcy there will always be a reason as to why that's happened um you know it can be not necessarily down to the individual's fault or, mm. the, or the company's fault you know it might just have been one wrong deal or it could have been a divorce and and you know someone's just ended up unfortunately not on the good side of it so yeah. Um, you know, there's there are ways to help people get back up on their feet, especially with property. I think. Mm -hmm. um, other things that underwriters you know do tend to look for is well, it's all well and good that you're bringing this to us. You know, uh, you as the individual, right? You you're strong. The checks work out in the company. That's fantastic. Um, but on the back end of it, we always have to think, well, how are you going to pay us back? You know, some people get quite excited and think, right, these figures look great, and it's like. 
okay, but just take a step back for a minute. What's your salary and income like? Yeah. You know, are you going to be able to refinance at the end of this? You know, mm-hmm. are, are the lenders and mortgage brokers out there that can help you? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, you know, something that really needs to be considered on, on day one rather than when you're yeah, near yeah, to completion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, there's been times where I've seen clients, you know, rush ahead and then you'll be like right okay well we're expecting the decision and principles off you and, and they're not received and it's like well we can't give you the money if you're not going <laughs> to give it to us but you know there's other ways of getting out of it so for example you could sell the property um or for example other ways would be if your business is expecting a large amount of funds in due to a, a big sale you know it doesn't necessarily have to be a property sale it could be you've, you've just done a huge deal in your company and yeah. you're expecting bonus or commission or um, you know funds that are owed to you through you know materials that you've you've sent out to someone and um, yeah. obviously you can repay through that um so i guess that's sort of really the basic basic underwriting review um i can't say that i'm a specialist in underwriting i've, I've definitely not done it for long enough to be able to give you all the loopholes within it but um it, i think if if lenders especially i know working for the company that i do now we give the clients a shopping list on day one so you'll yeah. receive an email with a very detailed quote of exactly what fees you'd be paying yeah. there's no you know horrible terms and conditions that i see with some other lenders that you know are in the market at the moment and if you let the client know right these are the 10 points that we need answering before we can you know definitely say yes to this loan or, or complete on it mm-hmm. then they've got a realistic expectation of when to receive funds from you Whereas, you know, I've seen some cases where clients aren't given funds for three months because they're asking for, you know, X, Y and Z, but they're asking for that two months down the line. Yeah. You know, I saw an article recently that a bridging loan now takes an average of 50 days. I mean, that's not quick finance anymore. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the, the whole reason for bridging finance in the first place is to get quick funds. You know, you should be able to get it realistically. Yeah. Within like two to three weeks on on a straightforward bridge, you know, a a mortgage can take up to six to eight weeks. Yeah, I got got a mortgage in five weeks once. Yeah, Yeah. wow. Yeah, Yeah. like you're going into bridging loan territory there. (laughs) I think I I viewed it on like I viewed the property on November the sixth, and I think we completed on like December the seventeenth. Wow. So yeah, that was yeah. So viewed the property, offer accepted the next day. Um and then instructed the broker and then instructed the solicitor. Yeah, yeah. I just chased them every other day. Oh, that's just the thing. All over yeah, it. I was like, Shh, don't tell people that they won't come to us <laughs> <the> bridging loans. <laughs> no, but I think as well, um, that is a that is a huge thing that people don't consider as well. We've taken into account recently. We've had a few bridging loans where they have taken longer than necessary when mm. it comes to the point of right. We've underwritten the deal, mm. the valuations come in. That's fine. Straightforward. Um, we get to the legal stage and the legals go on and on and on and mm, on. Yeah. And it's not down to us. It's down to client solicitors. So yeah. we've now created a panel of select solicitors that we, I guess, trust with within sort of the UK. Yeah. Um, that we know that can act quickly on behalf of the clients because if our solicitors can work with theirs, then. You know, we might be able to get the bridging loan complete in two weeks instead of you know three months. Yeah. Um. It by that time the client could have gone and got a mortgage. Yeah, it's, yeah. You know, it's it's really. I feel like solicitors, unfortunately, at the moment are letting clients down. Yeah. Um, we are seeing a, a huge 
delay uh, when it does come to the legal stage and I think that's down to perhaps lack of knowledge with clients when they're purchasing property if they've not been in the business before yeah. they just decide to pick either their family solicitor or someone in the family solicitor's practice yeah. or oh well you know my next door neighbour had my Halifax mortgage completed by so and so so I've, tr- I've picked him because I know yeah. that he can work <laughs> on a mortgage well it's not really a case of working on a mortgage. You need it in like two weeks, not yeah. three months. So. Do you have people that use your services when they're buying at auction as well? Oh, absolutely, yeah. So we are actually um, in partnership with Manchester Auction House okay. and Leeds Auction House. So we actually have like a, a stand there. So oh, do, yeah. if clients require a quote on the day, we can give them a quote before they bid on really? the property yeah. at auction. Um, and it doesn't have to be just through Auction House. Obviously, you can pick you know, any other auction house throughout the UK um, and we could provide a quote prior to you going to the auction. However, you do have to consider obviously that there is an auction fee to pay. Yeah. Um, and there's... What's it, the deposit that if they did use the bridge in it for the auction? What? That's another thing that people trip up on is amounts of deposits. So, for example, on a standard bridging loan, you, you have the option, certainly with us as a lender, to either service it the month below monthly, like paying you know, your standard mortgage payment on a month-by-month month basis, or we can retain the interest and fees up front. So, say we give you... Uh, I don't like doing maths on top of my head, but... <laughs> <laughs> say a loan of £100,000 gross. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there might be a 1% fee, and then we might deduct 12 months of interest off that. Say for argument's sake, that comes to around £70,000 net. Yes. That is the money that you will walk into that auction house with. It's mm-hmm. that £70,000. Okay. I think some clients think, oh, I'm going to get the £100,000. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just have to make sure you're clear before you go into the auction, like, these are the fees and this is the interest, this is what I have to pay back. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean... Auctions are fantastic, but you really need to look at the legal pack mm-hmm. prior to bidding on the property or maybe trying to view it. If you can't view it, send someone there or maybe get someone to take photos that's mm-hmm. there. Yeah. It's all down to due diligence really, isn't it? Yeah, it's all down to due, due mm-hmm. diligence. If it's going, if the guide price is low, why is it low? Mm-hmm. Probably structural movement, that's my guess. Um, yeah. you know, get, I know a valuation can cost 300, 400, 500 pounds, but if you were to get that done prior, you know that, right, okay, well, I've got my set amount that I can bid up to now. Mm. Um, so I think, yeah. Say, so for example, now um, someone buys a property at auction and they've agreed a six-month bridge. Mm-hmm. But throughout that six months, they're doing some refurb work and something goes wrong during that time. And it makes the, the whole project extend out to like nine months. What happens in that circumstance? Okay, so um, with ourselves, it's quite an easy, easy process. So say if this happened in month three or month four, I mean, I think prior to month six, you would assume you would have already got your remortgage ready yeah. to refinance back out or it would have been on the market to sell, um, perhaps off plan if it was only a six month bridge because that's quite a short amount of time. So yeah. you really would need your exit in place for that. Um, but, you know, if something were to go wrong, with us personally there isn't an issue of you know coming to us and going 
do you know what, I think I've you know mispriced this project or I'd like to do further work on it. I've decided I'd like to extend the loan and I'd like to, you know, maybe produce an attic conversion on it. Yeah. Um, you know, they the client might have the funds or they might need to raise funds. I don't know what the circumstance would be, but with us, you know, you can just um explain the situation. We're not animals, we're not here to charge you loads of fees, you know, lenders should be there to help property clients they should yeah. be there to you know torment them with all these these terms and conditions that no one read on day one yeah. so it's it's very clear and set out that it would be a one percent extension fee okay. and then the amount of months agreed would be down to sort of the credit control and underwriting working together to understand what the client needs to do to get it to a finished product yeah. um so in terms of extensions they are available um, yeah. to, to anyone really as long as you know for example the profitability is in place for them yeah, yeah. you know there are times where unfortunately clients will um, get to a point where it's month 11 out of month 12 mm. of their bridging loan and they go all of a sudden oh I'm going to stick my head in the sand because mm. I don't know what I can do now yeah. they should have just really been open and, and you know you can speak to them, speak to us as human beings and get something on the market or try and find a builder to come in and help them finish. Yeah. Um, there's lots of ways around it. And I, I do think bridging finance for someone who's not done it before, it can seem like a quite a scary concept. Yeah. Um, it's, I think it's, it's had a bad name about itself for quite a while. And I've heard some horror stories from working in the industry. You know, you get clients that have been to other lenders that, that tell you about all these horrific things that's happened to them and that they don't want to go with them again. But, you know, they start start off by not trusting you because they're like, oh, well, if you're like them. And it's like, yeah. oh, no, no, we're not. But <laughs> if you'd come with us in the first place, you could have saved yourself some interest. Um, but, yeah, I think I think as long as you do your, your research um, prior to taking out your bridging loan and understanding it's all about the fees and the interest, if a lender is giving you fees at 0.45% per month, yeah. where are they making their money? Yeah. You have to think about that. Okay, right then, so is there a 2% fee? Is there a, um, you know extension fee? Are there exit fees? Are there early redemption charges? You know, um, there's asset management fees that they put in, administration fees. Yeah. They have their own uh -huh. solicitors and they will up, the bump the prices up on them really yeah um could we know, maybe run through like an example deal yeah so we've potentially got one or two type one or two types of deals in so there's a property that's mixed residential commercial mm -hmm. um upstairs already a two-bedroom flat downstairs it's just empty commercial yeah both the same floor space mm -hmm. um we believe that it would probably be able to achieve the gdv would be 120 so okay. there's two bedroom flat upstairs two bedroom flat downstairs yeah. Um, and their purchase price is, at the moment, probably around 65. We're still okay. negotiating with the vendor. Yeah. Is there any sort of issues that you think we might face doing that as a first-time project? As a first-time project, no. Um, I mean, there's obviously issues with every project. You know, you might find all of a sudden that there are extra costs that you incur, things like that. But yeah. on the basis of what you're telling me, um, no, but it depends on what you're costs are to refurbish it and, yeah. and get it to the standard that you want so i mean I'm, i'd be more than happy to just look over calculations for you to understand profitability margins in type of um you know loans that you'd probably be looking for from lenders you know yeah. we always say if we can't help a client then we'll probably know 
someone who can help you. So yeah. there are, you know, for example, we, we lost, a colleague of mine lost the deal today because um, they were told by the client, oh, but um, such and such can get me 70% of the gross development value. You only offer 60% of the gross development value. Well, that's a potential. That's not an offer that they've actually given you. Yeah. You know, it could get all the way up to valuation and then they go, do you know what we're only going to offer you 55 percent or 60 yeah, percent yeah and and then and then you know they'll they'll go back on their word and there'll probably be more fees involved things like that so um i mean there'll be no issue at all i don't think for you guys to start looking at that as a first yeah. first project um i think planning usage has uh, that all gone through we haven't even gone we haven't even gone there we're still negotiating yeah. with the vendor um we've, we've estimated the refurb um and hopefully the fees all in around 40 um yeah. we probably need to work on them figures a bit more and go into a bit more detail but what we were looking at really is if we could negotiate the, the purchase price down to 60 and then we we're all in for the refurb and the fees on 40 so yeah. it was all in at 100 and then if we yeah. could refinance at 120 mm -hmm. there wouldn't be much money left in the deal yeah that's um that's what we've been looking at anyway we're still negotiating with the vendor now yeah. it all depends on if the, if the vendor yeah comes down on the price yeah, <laughs> yeah. well it also depends on how much you have personally to put into the, the project yourself a deposit yeah. is always a really good starting place you know we're from a lender's perspective as much as we want to help clients and we want to help them get business through our doors and, and repeat business if they don't have the deposit available or if they don't have a you know an asset with equity in it available then you know they're not they don't have enough skin in the game to really get themselves started so it's really all about you know saving to start with really yeah. to start that property portfolio um there's obviously lenders out there that can offer second charges on your properties we don't really go down that route yeah um, i was going to say do you have many people that come without yeah. much cash and yes. just try and give security of other stuff yeah that's that's correct so we we see clients all the time who go oh well i've, I've got a mortgage on my house and I'd like to get a bridging loan and, um, you know, you'll, you'll discuss it with them and you go, okay, well, how much is your house worth? Oh, 200,000, but I've got equity in it. And I go, oh, right, okay, how much have you got on your mortgage then? 150,000. Right, okay. Yeah. But, <laughs> okay, it doesn't quite work. They think that they have 50,000 pound equity in it. That's yeah. not how it works. So the company that I work for, it's different for every lender in the country. So I'm only talking on our behalf now, but we are a first charge lender, so we need the first charge on the property. Yeah. No mortgages, no loans against the property, we want the first charge on it. If the client doesn't have enough money to raise what they need on that first property, if they do have a residential home or they do have a property um, that does have a mortgage on it, we can look to raise that second charge against it to get that, you know, pot of money up for them yeah. so that they can work on, you know, the first property. Um, however, a lot of clients, as I've said, the £150,000 and a £200,000 house, they think, right, £50,000. Yeah, so it would be £200,000 times 0.6% take away £150,000. Okay. So that could potentially be in minus figures now. Yeah. I've calculated in front of me, but I'm presuming it would be probably quite a way in minus figures. Yeah. So you would probably need, say, if there was a mortgage of £100,000 on it, then you're looking more likely that you could maybe get a bit You'd of money out of it. Then. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, but, you know, as I've said, there's opportunities. You can get extensions on your current mortgages. I'm not yeah. a financial advisor, so obviously I can't advise this, but, you know, there's, there's options of 
you know, if your mortgage is down, just extending it at the bank, you can get second charge um, mortgages against your house, you can get second charge bridging loans, first charge bridging loans. And that 0.6, so that's security for yourselves if anything did go wrong yes, when the property yes, needs exactly. to be sold. So, obviously if the first charge lender, I go, I feel like I'm a bit sort of sporadic when I talk, so the first charge lender would obviously need for example, if they went to arrears and a default and they needed to take the property off them, the first charge lender would need to obviously use some fees because they'd need to send in someone like an LPA yeah. receiver to receive the property. They probably need to do some legal work, maybe some court work. Depends what the situation is, but that can eat up a lot of fees. That yeah. is why we would only use that calculation. Whereas, you know, clients think, right, there's £50,000 equity there. Well, no, there isn't because we need to understand that if something wants to go wrong, mm -hmm. there needs to be that wiggle room so that, you know, yeah. we, if we need to use it for fees and, and interest and, and things that have not been paid, then, then we can use that too. But mm. because we'd be sat behind the first charge lender, yeah. there needs to be that comfort for everyone involved in the transaction that if something were to go wrong, no one would be left sort of out of profit. Yeah. Um, but getting on to sort of repossessions and arrears and things like that, I know that... Um, they are probably quite good properties for people to purchase because yeah. they've probably been slid into an auction or an estate agent quite desperately at a low price yeah. and you can get quite a few bargains out there yeah. i've seen one recently on the Wirral. probably i think you'd probably get it for about 70 pound um once you do it was in a poor state but once it was done up you know i think you could make a tidy bit of profit out of it maybe 20 grand yeah if you were to take that 20 grand out, that would be a deposit for something else yeah. and then so on and so forth. So, you know, there is opportunity where, unfortunately, previous people have maybe failed. Yeah. There's opportunistic moments for other people to pick that up. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, I, I think as well, speaking with, about sort of arrears and, and defaults and things like that, that's an important thing to cover with bridging finance because if you've had that in the past, not every lender will want to work with you. Yeah. Um, we potentially might do, it depends on the situation. Um, but also, for example, if you were to get into default or arrears in one of our loans, I think as I said, mentioned earlier, we, I think because we're a small company, we want to help our clients. Whereas if you go to a big lending company, you get passed from manager to manager to manager, no one knows what's going mm. on. Yeah. You know, you're trying to keep your house from underneath you and you know, We'll try and do everything in our path to help people. Mm -hmm. If they are in a sticky situation, you know, the the, the warning letters will, will be sent and yeah, an extension yeah. will be agreed if it, as I've said, if it's profitable and, and the yeah. right thing for the client, the right thing for us. But, yeah. you know, there are cases, you know, whether it's been in my previous job or this job or things that I've overheard in the industry where a lot of people just go, do you know what? If you have someone come along and they want to buy the property and they'll give you cash for it, take it. Or it's a case of just hand the key to the LPA receiver and, and just stop. Just yeah. don't get yourself into a worse position. Um, you've got to be quite honest and, and open in the property world, I think, because it's a it's a lot of money and, and that people are playing with and, and it's people's lives as well. Yeah. Um, I feel quite lucky and, and beneficial to be working in a company that's regulated yeah because you know if we're for example lending on a property that someone is building for themselves for their family home 
they receive regulated advice from an independent broker. It's nothing to do with us. The broker will just say that they agree the the reasons as to why they're taking out the bridge or the development loan. They agree that that's the right course of action for them. The client understands the debt that they're taking on, and there will also be um, sort of a paragraph at the end explaining that um, should the loan come to the end, that the broker will look into a refinance package for them. Mm -hmm. And, and you know they're sorted then they've got a letter they understand what's happened we are comforted by the fact that they understand what they're doing yeah um so that's that's quite nice going being able to go to bed at night knowing that people have received the right advice yeah. um whereas you know you hear horror stories of you know companies that are trying to turn 50 billion pounds <laughs> over and yeah. you know people are getting repossessed left right and center mm. I, I mean the repossession book that we have is is extremely low the company's been going for 14 years and, and yeah, yeah. i think they could probably count on, on one hand maybe really yeah, yeah. Repossession. Wow. maybe two hands but <laughs> considering 14 years it's 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 pretty good it's really low yeah. yeah um and i think that's just the friendly sort of family attitude that the business has um and it's it's a nice environment to work for Nice. Yeah. Mm. Someone else said to me recently, what's better, a joint venture or a bridging loan? And that's quite a big debate that I hear about all, all the time. Yeah. Well, if I if I go in with this guy, well, I don't have to pay any fees. Yeah, that's fine, but you're splitting 50% of the profits. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the profits, yeah. yeah so there's obviously swings and roundabouts to every mm. every way that everyone works, but yeah. um, that was that was the debate that I heard recently. Yeah. Where a couple were saying, oh, I'm going to JV rather than bridge. Yeah. Um, it's not, yeah, it's not always the cheapest way to go, but. Yeah. I think maybe people are just, are just scared of the bridge and finance. Yeah, once you do one, though, you get hooked in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what are some of the things that people could do maybe to speed up a, a bridging application? Use our panel of solicitors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, get everything ready. Um Sort of, I, I guess it's, it's hard if you've never done a bridging application before. Some things that, that are handy to have to hand would be your passport, your driving license, um, the property that you're purchasing, proof of deposit. If you're self-employed in SA302, proof of income such as pay slips or bank statements showing the pay going in. Um, your exit, so... What is your exit going to be? Is it going to be sale, refinance? Are you expecting business funds? Are you sh uh, selling shares and stocks? Probably not the best week to sell. Yeah, that's there probably a few things to consider. Um, developments, though, that's not as quick as bridging loans um, or I guess heavy refurbishments where perhaps you'd want to have say 70% of the, the property value up front and then maybe we could pay you back in arrears for heavy refurbishments for example say 10 grand at a time something like mm -hmm. that um that's something that we would then need to consider planning permission if it's a hmo is it in an article 4 area yeah in terms then of say um at the end now when someone's doing development say they're doing a commercial conversion to say a big HMO mm -hmm. um, like we were hearing different figures of how they end value it so say on the gross yield we're hearing like a multiplier of seven and a half or ten yeah. okay so um, this is a really good comparison of when mortgages and bridging loans differ okay. so a bridging loan is always based on the bricks and mortar value of the property yeah okay. whereas a 
mortgage or a business loan is based on the yield of the income from the property. Mm -hmm. So if your HMO is going to have, let's figure out the year, £96,000 a year, that would be nice, wouldn't it? Nice Maybe so <laughs> um, then yes, your mortgage company and maybe a business loan would look at oh great that's the projected yield or perhaps you've already got tenants in it by the end of it yeah great but to repay a bridging loan it's just how much is the bricks and mortar worth yeah hopefully more than what you started with yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Same for interest and fees yeah um, but we've, we've seen things recently with um you know massive um uplift in barn conversions and self-builds at the moment yeah, you know, yeah. people are buying land and building their own houses on it really? that yeah. is so popular at the moment or it's the um i guess the next stage of property developers where they've they've done the one for themselves and now they'd like to try two or mm. four or five in like a little cul-de-sac somewhere yeah i guess a bit of a hand-holding process with developments because a lot of people are first-time developers yeah so you do need to hold the hand and say right okay this is the the warranty that we need this is you know the planning like decision it okay great it's gone through but then there's all these little extra bits on it and they need to be discharged and yeah it's it's um it can take a longer time than people think they think right bridging loads quick it's fast great i'll build my own house as well yeah it doesn't quite work like that <laughs> um yeah but we've had clients as well who have used bridging loans for sort of business purposes so yeah. if they're expecting business payment they can take something out on property and they'll repay us back yeah with business funds what's the like the smallest amount of loan because we, we've looked at a deal recently yeah. that would probably revalue at around 80 just a three bedroom terraced house in birkenhead mm -hmm. um currently about to start negotiating with the vendor we're looking at hopefully you know, we'd like to acquire it at say 50k yeah um and you know with a hope that the refair would be around 10k mm -hmm. would we be able to use bridging finance Absolutely. for that Absolutely. so a lot of bridging lenders their minimum loan size is either a hundred thousand pound or fifty thousand pound ours okay. is twenty five thousand pound is it yeah. okay. so really? if you find a property that's on the market for 40 yeah then you can still use us really yeah yeah nice. so i've got a client at the moment whose whose property is currently worth i think just I mean, it would be 50. Okay. Just, just 50. So many lenders wouldn't lend to that client. Yeah. But we can. Okay. Um, our, our maximum loan size, we'd say 2 million, but there is room for negotiation if it goes a little bit over. Yeah. Um, so we cover sort of both ends of the market. And then after that, when you're looking at, say, 5, 10 million pound worth of lending, that is huge money. And yeah. that's when you do need to, you know, a very good big bridging lender. Um, yeah. We, as I've said, we're quite small sort of family-run lender. Yeah. We know what we're doing. Been there for fourteen years. Um, but we'll we'll deal with sort of the twenty-five grand to two million. Yeah. So with with the fifty, would you what sort of rate would you pay on that? It it really depends, I guess, on. I'd probably say a bespoke sort of case by case basis. Yeah. I know I said earlier that oh, I don't don't really want to say that, but it really does depend on, on. You know what you're looking to pay so for yeah. example we could make it so that if you want to pay it monthly we could up the fees on the front end to help with monthly payments okay. being less yeah for example um 
I don't particularly like just quoting figures out of the air because yeah, yeah. some people are a bit like, mm, yeah, don't want to pay that. Yeah. Or, oh, this lender's offered it to me for 0.1% yeah. or more. Yeah, it's just... Um, is that called a facility fee? So, okay, no. So the facility fee is the same as an arrangement fee. Okay. So typically lenders charge that at 2%. Some will charge it at three and give one percent to a broker, or oh, okay. they might charge three and keep three to themselves. <laughs> um, we tend to charge it one percent or two percent, depending on what the client wants, really. Yeah. So, as I've said, we can up fees, down fees, whatever they want to do with it. Yeah. Um, but you know, we do need to make a, a return on on yeah, the money that's coming out, of course. Yeah. Um, but if it helps a client that you know we make a loan term shorter put the fees up on the front end maybe add a fee on the back end they can pay it monthly mm-hmm. and that's more affordable for them yeah you can mm-hmm. do that yeah what would be one of the biggest pitfalls that you'd see when people are you know, going through a bridge what's what's kind of i think something that kind of crops up fairly often mm, something that crops up often i guess would be the lack of knowledge before even taking out a bridging loan with us so even at a quotation basis mm. i guess people think oh do you know what it's it's like a mortgage they'll give me 85 percent well no it's not really how how bridging works i mean we're fortunate because we can offer on open market value and purchase price depending on yeah. you know what the situation is um but you know people will go to the auction and, and maybe come to us after they've bid on it and put the deposit down as well and it's like what, what do you expect us to do now? You, you've got a shortfall of £20,000 that we can't offer you. So you need to find £20,000 from somewhere and then we can lend to you. Yeah. Um, so we see clients lose properties before they even come to us. Really? So yeah. It's that lack of due diligence and, and sort of exploration of, of what to do prior to purchasing a property, I think. Yeah. Um, pitfall, other pitfalls I'm trying to think of... Um, Probably better asking the underwriting team rather than a sales manager. <laughs> yeah, um, they must come across quite a few things. But I think um, planning usage, for example, um, I think in the Blackpool area, uh, there's like a planning usage for flats if they've been converted into flats. Really? I think there might be an issue with um, how long the planning's been in place for on some of them. So it's just checking the local planning officer. If a building has been converted, when was it converted and was that the correct usage? Was it under permitted development or did mm. it need full planning? That yeah. sort of thing. I mean, it happens everywhere when people think, oh, it's permitted development. And then, you know, 10 years down the line, you go, oh, God, I've got a fine from the council. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't have done that. Um, mm. So, yeah, they're, they're probably main pitfalls. Um, I think other pitfalls is expecting money in their hands the day after the application form is in yeah. it doesn't doesn't work like that you know you do have to be patient sometimes if for example um you know it, it's down to working with the lender and the client you need to have an open line of communication mm. be honest from day one the lender has to be honest on what they can offer you you have to be honest about what you couldn't offer the lender have yeah. you got the deposit in place is, is everything ready yeah. you know is there anything that you're holding back on that you've not told them for example mm-hmm. um but i think pitfalls are probably just that bit prior to application my main point to everyone would be just get as much information as possible up front that's going to probably lead to less work of going back and forth and it'll be a quicker transaction. Yeah. If the um, lender asks for something at the start, try and give it to them. 
don't give it to them in bits. Yeah. So, you know, there'll be clients that will give you email on a Monday, an email on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, all separate documents. Whereas yeah. if we could have had that all on Monday, mm-hmm. we could have been at valuation by well, Friday, yeah. you know, by legals on Monday, but yeah. then you knock it out and we wait on valuation, wait on legals. So it's, it's I'd say being prepared is probably the best yeah. point I can make for property yeah. finance, yeah. Okay, all right, that's been great. Thank you very much. Thanks very much, Joe. Cheers. See ya. See ya. We talk about property, business, and everything in between. Hosted by Jack Heskin Taylor and Joe McCarthy. Sharing the stories of entrepreneurs, property investors, and our journey to health, wealth, and happiness. Marketers and business owners, you've been pining after a certain someone. Your job's on the line. You're desperate for them to like you back. Here's a word of advice from me. Talking is hot. Just you and them, finally alone, like us two right now. Maybe under the duvet, headphones on, -on one-on-one. Podcast advertising is proven to be one of the best ways to catch their attention. So surprise them while they're tuned in, while the moment's right. Say a line or two that really gets them going. Next time, if you want to win over your special someone and build some brand love, experiment with something new. Just focus on your voice. Advertise on more than 100,000 podcast shows with Acast. Head to go.acast.com slash closer to get started.